Welcome to the Back in Action Podcast. Are you a weekend warrior, a current or former high-performing athlete, or do you just have questions about what a chiropractor can do for you in a rehab setting? Here, we'll dive into the world of chiropractic and exercise rehab and how they both can be utilized to get you back in action. All right, what is up, everybody, and welcome to episode seven. I think I really hope it's seven because I already said it and we don't want to re-record all right, so the uh, topic today is actually going to be our first Mythbusters episode. Uh, we got a lot of responses to some of the polls we did on Instagram, and we got a lot of feedback. So we're super hyped. We're hoping you're super hyped about it because we did our homework, and we are ready to debunk a lot of myths. Um, so the topic we're going to go with today is demonized movements. We're going to talk a lot about deadlifts, knees over toes when squatting, and uh, basically anything involving flexion and how people think it's bad for your spine and your spine is fragile. So we're going to talk all about that. But first, let's let's kick it off by talking about deadlifts. Um, and this is it. For me, this is a huge thing because, again, I know Connor probably will bring up the example of, you know, average Joe, everyday life movements. He's picking up his grandkid, you know, he's got to be able to do that. Um, under load. So anyways, the reason I bring that up is because there's so many people that will hurt themselves, like picking up a laundry basket or even like bending down to tie their shoes. And it's funny because they'll, they'll say like, Oh, it was that motion that caused that pain to happen or that caused that injury. When in reality, that's not the case that happened because those muscles to perform that action of lifting something under load, they weren't conditioned properly which is why deadlifting, in my opinion, is so important to injury prevention. Um, you know, because like I said, it wasn't you bending down to tie your shoe or picking up that laundry basket that hurt you. It's the fact that your spine couldn't handle that excess load that it needed to. Um, so that's just my brief intro on this topic. So I'm going to let uh, Austin take his uh, take it away with his opinion on it, and then we'll go to Connor, and uh, we'll just keep the conversation flowing. So Austin, go ahead. Um, yeah, this is like obviously going to be a fun one, but, uh, yeah, in terms of deadlifting, like, I feel like it it is hard because it, it, it's something where, you know, maybe like a new gym goer or even someone who's been in there for, for a while, like they've maybe had like small tweaks here and there just from deadlifts or even just like ser- more serious injuries, like more, um, disc related things or um and whatnot so it gets definitely a really bad rap but when you think about it like a lot of those injuries are either caused by um i mean we touched upon it on other podcasts too but like the demands and capacity so like you know like the demands of the lift kind of exceed the capacity of your of your tissues and just kind of lead to injury and often that's times through like you know whether it's just fatigue or there's like outside stressors going on, you know, like lack of sleep, lack of hydration. Like there's so many other factors that go into that. So when people say like, Oh, like, why are you deadlifting? Like it should, you shouldn't be deadlifting. Like it's, it's dangerous. Like it's, I mean, it's really not that dangerous. Like if you, if you look up some of the literature and um, the injury rates within you know, powerlifting and like those big three lifts, like the the bench, um, squat, deadlift, like the injury rates really aren't that high. Like you have more of a risk getting injured, 
um, like walking down the street than you do um, deadlifting. So I, it sucks that it gets a bad rap and you know, there's a lot of videos out there, whether it be on Instagram or TikTok or whatnot um, of, you know, like the graphic videos of like people getting hurt doing like deadlifting or you get like some fucking weirdo spine surgeon who's like, yeah, like this guy deadlift his whole life and like, look at his back. Like you shouldn't be doing this. Well, how do you, first off, like, how do you know that is from solely just deadlifting? And like, why are you scaring people into um, not allowing them to move or not allowing them to do the exercise they want to do? So, yeah, definitely a bad rap around deadlifts. And I mean, that, that's that's my kind of two cents on it. But Connor, you can yeah, type in I'm, here. I'm and, with you. I'm with you on that. It's such a bogus argument that the deadlift is responsible for most people's back pain when it's like if you can do it correctly it's one of the best exercises you can ever do it's such a full body exercise and the whole thing of progressive overload is something that it's more being smart with your deadlift rather than the deadlift itself like the reason people get hurt in the gym isn't necessarily from the deadlift itself it's from ego lifting in the deadlift like when they're not able to actually lift the amounts trying to pull something you've never pulled in your life off the floor and you don't have the like your body's not used to those stressors so of course there's going to be it's an abnormal stress on normal tissue we learned all about that like once that becomes a normal stress then you can only build upon that you want little bits of kind of abnormal or like uncomfortable but not going zero to 100 or zero to 60 as they would say here uh uh it's just something like the it's such a bullshit like argument that a lot of people come out with that oh it's so bad for your back like you have to do all of this stuff you can't move your spine like we weren't designed to be straight up all the time like can you imagine how miserable life would what life would be if you were just standing just stiff as a board all the time you couldn't move at all because it was so bad for your back and being able to put those things like putting yourself under loads like how are you going to live if you can't lift anything like that like that's what a lot of people's livelihood is based on is lifting stuff and if you're thinking that oh lifting something because deadlift is just essentially a mock of lifting something off the ground and bridget hit nail on the head how are you going to lift people like lift your grandkid off the ground if you can't actually deadlift or anything like that she knew it was coming she set it up for me and i just took it home but it's such a like i don't know i i get pretty fired up about this one and it's just because it's something that I've been doing for so long. And yeah, I've had tweaks here and there, but that's because I was being a testosterone-fueled 18-year-old kid. Like, oh, I got to lift heavy shit because I'm, I'm a strong boy. <laughs> and I got I to gotta impress all the women that never talk to me. Okay. But, yeah. <laughs> that's Sorry. true. No, I have, a, I have a question too. Like, because you brought up... Um you know, like the form aspect and like, you know, it's, it's definitely a good exercise, but you do have to be a little bit cautious, but I also kind of want to put this out to both you guys. Like, do you see any value of, you know, maybe letting form slip a little bit, exposing people into these different positions, as long as it's, you know, within, within their capacity to do these things. So like, say you see someone who's like first time deadlifting and yeah, they have like a little bit of like spine flexion or like they're not neutral or whatnot. Are you guys like 
uber concerned about that right away or as long as they're doing something you know that's that's maybe within their capacity like you're you're uh not as worried about uh i'm gonna cut cut you off here bridget before you start uh it's something like you a very simple question a very simple question to start is where do you feel this where are you feeling this exercise and if it's something that like oh they're feeling it like kind of not in the muscle they're feeling it more through like the si joint or the low back and all that all right let's tweak it a little bit and see what your form is everyone's built so differently but to see form form is so relative for each person that my form is different than bridget's form is different than your form we're all built differently so what you think is your perfect form could be something i can't like i can't do but uh, yeah that's I don't, I don't see the biggest, obviously you don't want to throw somebody on top of like an extreme weight with having no experience at all is essentially what I'm trying to get at. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty much what I was going to say too. Um, like for me, I think a big thing is, and I say this a lot, actually, like I said, to a lot of my patients, uh, when I took them into the rehab room at Buffalo, like. I kind of work on a flag system with them and I take it as a green flag, yellow flag, red flag. Um, so when I'm working with them, what I say is, and I even had patients where we did kettlebell deadlifts and I said, all right, our red flag is the minute I feel pain. We're going to stop. We're going to talk about what's going on. I want to know, like Connor said, where you're feeling that pain. Um, because a lot of the times, like it could just be like certain cues aren't being met, meaning like engaging the lats enough. Um, you know, and even breathing is like a huge part of it, especially with people who don't lift, like if they're first time, first time lifters at all, even just with the kettlebell, um, sometimes people forget to breathe, right? Like they forget to, you know, actually take that deep breath in and, you know, lift themselves, lift the weight up off the floor. But then I go with a yellow flag is okay. Like I feel this, I feel a little sore, but like I'm not in excruciating pain. And then a green flag is like, everything's going well. And I know that sounds really very simplistic. Um, but for me, it helps because I want the patients to know that there shouldn't be a fear of hitting that red flag. You know what I mean? But I still want them to be aware of it at the same time. Um, because I don't want them to think that if they're in pain, that that's normal. But in terms of what you said, Austin, with like, you know, the flexing for like, there's a little flexion in the spine and all that. I constantly reinforce with people that the spine's not fragile. Your spine's meant to go into flexion. And, you know, the deadlift, like we said, it's a, it's essentially a functional movement. It's it, that's really all it is. And I know it's that example of picking up the laundry basket and injuring yourself is also a little simplistic, but if you really think about it, like a deadlift is really no different. It's just a little heavier. So it's not like we're doing anything in that exercise that's completely misguided in terms of how you functionally operate. Um, so for me, I don't have a problem with a little bit of flexion in the spine, but again, we go back to those green, yellow, and red flags. If the minute you have pain, okay, that's a red flag. Let's talk about it. Let's see what's going on. But that doesn't, but with that being said, that also doesn't mean we stop. Maybe we go down and wait a little bit and we just figure out like, okay, is this something that we need to, we need to go and, you know, we have to change, um, like the volume, total volume, acute volume, um, you know, maybe it's the biomechanical load, like our hand positioning, things like that. 
Um, maybe it's tempo. Maybe we have to slow down a little bit, do more of a controlled movement um, and make modifications as we go like that. But in terms of, like you said, Austin, like, again, with the flexion or, you know, just if it doesn't look like a perfect deadlift, in my opinion, there is no perfect deadlift because everyone's different. Everyone anatomically is different. Mm -hmm. So I think it's whatever positioning you're comfortable in and you can go through that fluid motion with no significant pain. And as long as you're not being like Connor said, an ego lifter and just saying like, okay, like I just did 235 fine. Now I'm going to go 285 and I've never done 285. Like that's a little different. You know what I mean? So if you're being smart about it in that aspect, I don't see anything wrong with that. Maybe people do. Um, and again, I don't know everything, but those people that's are just my take on it. <laughs> yeah. There's like Dr. Snell, uh, is like a well-known, he's a well-known doc obviously, but his first three things to like, he's got a website, it's fixyourownback.com. He's like a world renowned and his first three things that he teaches people to get out of pain is a hip hinge, a hip hinge with a squat and a deadlift to get people out of pain. He gives them a deadlift so that they can train their back, their back to like get used to a load and like, I don't know how we can get so caught up on something being so bad for you when like world renowned docs are so in love with the deadlift because it's such a full body exercise. It works on every, like there's no real better way to strengthen your core than picking something up and trying to keep everything in line. Like it engages everything almost head to toe. Like there's honestly, there's it's, I don't know where I'm going with that, but yeah, it's, it's one of the best exercises you can give somebody for like getting out of pain. Obviously if they're like, they're comfortable with it. It's just really breaking that like thought that process that people are. So, Oh, I can't bend my spine. I can't do a deadlift because that's, I hurt myself picking up something. So why am I doing that? But yeah, that's, that's my little tangent again. Yeah, definitely. I like, I like what you guys said. I think, um, we also have to just realize like, why are we doing a deadlift? Like, what's the purpose of it for the patient? Like, is it to, you know, build confidence with them, like built, like picking things up off the ground? Um, are we doing it in like a sense of training? So are we trying to focus, you know, like hypertrophy or strength? Like, are we trying to target like the person's glutes? Cause obviously like it's a great lower body leg exercise, but also I think if we're doing it and the person feels it in their back, um, we shouldn't be alarmed because I've seen so many trainers and so many people talk about it. Like, Oh, like, where did you feel that they say in their back? And then they're immediately like, Oh fuck. Like we got to fix your form. Like, no, like think about the exercise. Like it's going to put stresses through the, through the low back. As long as that's not causing like a lot of pain or, you know, like it's something that's so outrageously like, but, but that's the thing. Like, it's not even outrageous because you see people doing fucking crazy, like flexion lifts, like Jefferson stuff. So like, who gives a shit? Just do shit within your capacity. Try not to like ego lift and, and, uh, blow your shit up. Basically. That's all I'm trying to say. Let's, let's go to it. Let's go to another, uh, another movement. If you guys are down. Yeah. I'm excited to, we had a lot of people I know on my end, I don't know about you Austin, but I had a lot of people message about uh knees over toes when squatting so i want to i want to make sure we get into that one because i'm not gonna lie this is one that 
this ticks me off probably more than anything because I had a coach in college who constantly would yell at us not to let our knees go over our toes. And I, I was, it's something from the beginning I just never really understood. Like I understood it from the aspect of like when you, when you bend your knees like that, there you have that sheer load that's occurring in the knees. But what people don't get is there's also compression happening as well. So with that being said, when you have that shear load and that compression load, compression load on top of it, the ligaments are actually pretty stable in that position because of that compression. So it's not like we're going to, it's not like it's the minute our knees go over our toes, our patella tendon's going to erupt and the knee explodes. Like, and that's almost like the conception that like people I think have in their heads sometimes. But anyways, one of, uh, one of the best analogies I like to give for this, not really analogy, but Pretty much anyone listening right now, I guarantee is sitting. So you're either driving in your car right now, or you're sitting at your desk at work, or you're sitting at your desk at the Depew Clinic waiting for your next patient to come. And right now, while you're sitting, your center of gravity is your ass in your seat right now. But when you go to get up, your knees are going to go over your toes. Because in order for you to switch your center of gravity to the bottom of your feet, you physically need to turn out of your chair lean forward into flexion and then get up. And even if you did it right now, you're going to notice your knees are going to go over your toes. So why do we harp constantly on that being so bad when people do it probably 70 to 80 times a day? Like it honestly doesn't make sense. Connor just went to get out of his chair. I, Connor, I totally saw that right now. <laughs> no, I was, just re- I was just adjusting. <laughs> but I don't know. It's just, that's something that always kind of just drove me nuts. Cause like, I don't know. Like I said, you have to, you literally getting out of the chair, you need to lean forward at the hips and allow the needs to come slightly forward in order to even get up. And it's the same as when you're going up and down steps, like the same concept happens for you to keep your center of gravity there. So going back to like the squat example, like if you look at a squat, like you can kind of argue that, you know, depending on the depth of the squat, your knee's going to have to go further over the toes than not and all that. But anatomically speaking, like it's necessary for some people to have their knees go over their toes. Look at like world renowned power lifters, like when they're lifting or they're doing like snatches or anything like that, like in order for them to stay balanced, their knees actually have to go over their toes or they're going to fall over. Um, because and that balance is so essential because they want to they have to be able to like keep their chest upright right so if they didn't have their knees going over their toes their chest would actually fall forward and they would be completely off balance and now you're risking severe injury at that point um but i don't know that's just my hot take sorry i got a little heated about it watch Um, watch every olympic lifter in the next summer olympics and tell me if a single one of them doesn't bring their knees over their toes every single one that's how you keep balance it's simple physics if you were to keep your knees on top of your ankles you're gonna get about halfway through a squat so they train like they've trained their bodies to the point and obviously like right off the hop you might have to train within a different like a different plane of motion or a different like range but if you look at so many like power lifters olympic lifters and just like experienced lifters they know their body so well and they need to get that to keep balance and again like build essentially build power like 
when your knees like knees flexed and you're in the deepest squat, that's when your quads are the most most active because you're getting a full stretch of the quad. You're not getting a half a half stretch. That's how you build most of your quad is getting deeper into a squat. Yeah, I agree. And honestly, like think about any athlete, like obviously Bridget, like you're you're a superstar basketball player. Like your knees were constantly over your toes whenever you were playing. Like think about like when you you know, like pivot and like, even just like go to make a cut, like you literally can't have, like, you need that to have like power and to like, you know, tap into your like quad strength. So it just, it, it never really made sense. And obviously it, it fucking grinded my gears so much when we're hearing it in class in active care and guys like, yeah, like you can't, put your knees over your toes. And I was like, wait, why? Like what, what's going to happen? Like your knees just going to fucking explode. Like, no, like it's so stupid. And like, when you think about too, like if you're trying to do any sort of quad training, like you want to try and go through a full range of motion. So you want to lengthen your quad as much as you can. That requires your knee going over your toe to lengthen your quad. So like, if you're not bringing your knees over your toes, you're just going to have skinny ass chicken legs. So that's just a fact. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Like it's kind of an old thing. Like, to be honest, I hope that no one really still believes in this, but clearly there are people cause we are being taught this in school. So it's kind of unfortunate, but it's the truth. Um, I don't know if you guys want to hit any more points on the knees over toes, but just, yeah, uh, I know one of our classmates, uh, Mark, every time that uh, our prof would, our doc would say anything, he would just look at me, roll his eyes and just, you could hear him giggle under his breath because he, he's somebody that like, if you think we're passionate about it, Mark was probably triple what we are. He, I've never seen, first off, I've never seen Mark like angry or anything like that. But as soon as the doc mentioned that, he just flipped. He went, that is the most bogus statement. And it's such an old, like, unfortunately it's with a lot of the older generation. I feel like it's, that's what, I mean, that was the research that was there in fairness, but they just also haven't been kept up to date on sim. It's simple biomechanics. Like, like Austin said, if you're not going through a full range of motion and you, if you can keep your knees behind your toes in a full range of motion all the power to you because you have the greatest range of motion in known to man but yeah that's uh just wanted to throw that little tidbit slash shout out to mark yeah i was uh gonna just add to it's just like a huge thing is like i feel like people i feel like all this honestly comes back to people just thinking like the human body is so fragile and it's really not, it's extremely resilient and it's honestly capable of getting stronger and stronger over time, the more you train. Um, so for me, like a big thing that I did a lot of research on was progressive loading being really good for your knees. And by that, I mean, like, if you think about a marathon runner, you don't tell them to just like go out and first day of training, you're going to run 12 miles or whatever. Your first three runs are probably going to be three miles. Then your next three are going to be four miles and so forth. And the reason I bring that up is because it's kind of like your knees act the same way. Like the more load you're putting on them like that, and you're doing progressive loading, 
you actually build up more uh, tissue resilience and increased capacity to be, to be able to withstand those motions. So Austin, going back to what you said with the basketball example, like that's huge for athletes that have to be able to turn on a dime and shift directions. So building up that tissue resilience is key. And honestly, going over knees over toes in a progressive load kind of workout like routine is actually huge for, like I said, those athletes doing those type of motions. So that was just my last few cents on that. I'll yeah. shut up now. Well, like, no, I was going to pipe in about that too. Cause like, I think too, sometimes we get a little hesitant when we're like, oh, like you're, you're like stressing the the tendon or whatnot, but like, is stressing the tendon really a bad thing? Like even when you're, you're doing exercises, like you're still putting stress on the tendon, but when you go to those more end ranges of motion, that's when you're getting like a full stretch on the tendon, but that also is going to make it more resilient, like you said, and like stronger too. So I don't see any reason why we wouldn't do that as well. Like we're training our muscles, but also it's not just our muscles. It's our muscles, our tendons, even bone. Like, so there's so much more involved. Yeah. Stress builds resiliency. That's the key is to put something under stress is only going to build the resiliency. So question then, um, and I don't care who takes it, but Austin, you said, uh, how like that whole, like that stress under load and everything like that. And it's okay to put that stress on those tendons. At what point do you tell a patient if they start having knee pain while squatting, let's just take a barbell squat. Um, at what point in that do you, take a step back and try to like at any point, do you take a step back and say, could it possibly be because your knees are going over your toes? Or do you think that um, there is something else biomechanically going wrong during that motion? You'd obviously just have to see like, if it's a, if it's in a squat and you're like, okay, like their, their knee is bothering them. See where in the range of motion or where in that movement pattern that it's bothering them. So if it's right at the bottom, like, and they have decent depth. Okay. Let's, let's bring that depth up a little bit and see how it feels. If it's still bothering them. Okay. Maybe, um, I mean, you could, you could bring the depth up more, but now I don't really know how much you're going to be stressing the quads. If that's your goal to strengthen the quads. Um, but essentially play around with the range of motion, see how it feels for them. If that is still bothering them, then, okay, we have to do some regressions and like really figure it out. So maybe now we're doing, you know, more isometric exercises, um, really focusing on just like static strength building that up to the point where, okay, like maybe, maybe in a couple more sessions, we're going to, we're going to try squats again and see, see how that feels for you. Um, and just kind of play around with it. Obviously you could also play around with load. So if, um, if the, the tendon or their, their knee problem is kind of giving them problems when they're, you know, say have like a plate on each side and that's bothering them. Okay. Let's try and decrease the load. So like you just keep thinking back to those like training principles and those, those fit principles about, you know, what can we manipulate in terms of the exercise to fit the patient and, still get the outcome we're after. Yeah, I think uh, a lot of the things that we get caught up on is a lot of even practitioners get so caught up on knee pain has to come from the knee. Like a lot of this like movement patterns and stuff, especially a squat, you have to assess the whole, like even I'll say the whole body. Like you just have to assess everything going from the ankle 
like I can speak from experience. My ankles are so shitty. That's I know that's the reason I have like it's my hip and my ankle why I have some knee pain when I squat. But it's forces like not having an ankle that moves puts you into such it puts more pressure on the knee because your ankle is just not moving. So you have to assess like essentially the joints around there and making sure everything's kind of moving the way it should be. And that comes down to, again, like what we talked about, that's how you, that's how you, excuse me, how you get hurt. And you just, you're not moving properly and you're putting yourself under too much load that your body is not ready to handle. All right. So I think we've kind of beat the knees over toes to death, but I don't know if you guys are down for one more. Try and squeeze one more in before we lose everyone. Yeah, let's do that. All right. So the next one we had here um, in terms of demonizing certain movements was anything spinal flexion based is bad for you. Don't flex the spine. Um, Just say that. Say that again and realize how stupid that sounds. It's so fucking (laughs) stupid. (laughs) Like, but again, the frustrating part is this is what we were taught in school that you know, neutral spine is the i don't know the holy grail what you want and if your spine moves a little bit um you're fucked for life so like i don't know what do you guys think about in terms of flexion too because i'm sure you guys have seen a lot of the videos out there now like um there's some crazy shit on instagram with people doing some seriously heavy lifting um like deficit deadlifts with like fully flex, fully flex spine and they're just like absolutely crushing it. So I don't know what, what are your guys thoughts in terms of uh spinal flexion for exercise? I'm letting, I'm letting Connor go first. Oh yeah. That, that uh, video that you showed me Austin of the 18 inch deadlift deficit, 475 pounds. And you know, he's trained his body to do that, but we're fragile. But, we're fragile. And- you want to know what the best part is? His knees were over his toes too. <laughs> when he squatted down to get it, his knees were over his toes. He was going to explode. His whole body was about to explode, but guess what? He can pull 475 from an 18-inch deadlift or a deficit. Most people can't even pull 475. So, like, how can we say something? Like, that is... The human body is capable of so much shit, but we just have become so soft. Yeah. It's, uh, it, uh, like... Jefferson curls are are so like if done correctly, that is how you strengthen and avoid back pain. Is you're putting it through range of motion and strengthening it through its range of motion. That's what we harp on all the time is strengthen through range of motion. But when it comes to your back, can't fucking move it. Just can't move it. You can only strengthen it in one plane. And what happens when you get out of that plane? You're hurt. So strengthen it through the range of motion. Makes life so much fucking easier. <laughs> yeah i always found that crazy because like i remember being in class and that kind of like came into my head before i even started like reading stuff uh like papers and stuff about spinal flexion um and i was like wait like this guy is saying that we can't flex our spine because our spine doesn't adapt or doesn't have the ability to adapt to these to these movements i'm like the whole body literally adapts to whatever stresses you put through it but for some reason, the spine is this like magical thing that just like, you know, is set in stone and, and has no capacity to adapt to things. 
it just made no sense to me. So like, like, like you said, like the spinal flexion, like, you know, we're just trying to increase people's, um, like movement capacity and just like resilience. So like, it's definitely a, uh, underutilized tool and some, but something that can be really beneficial to patients. Bridget, you popping in here. Yeah. Well, first I want to say there's obviously evidence out there that would support the argument that lumbar flexion it does, it can cause a possible injury. Um, but so does sleeping wrong. And so does, you know, the risk of you sitting in your car and, you know, there's, there's literally risk of injury with anything you do. Um, but for me, like the biggest thing is like, I think there's also like a hazard versus risk thing that you have to kind of take into play. And what I mean by that is when you, when you do things under load flexion, under load, if you're again, not conditioned to doing those movements and starting at a lower, uh, volume of weight, like obviously, yeah, there's a huge like risk of injury when doing that. But if you're going to be smart about it and you're going to, I'm not saying smart about it in terms of neutral spine, but smart about it in the sense of like, understand what you can withhold to start to build up to those numbers that those people are doing that you see online and stuff like that. And maybe that's kind of an aside from what you guys were saying. Um, but I don't know. To me, it just it becomes more of a thing where I think people think the spine is just way more fragile than it actually is. And like a big thing with this topic is you have so many people who associate flexion under load with like disc herniations. Um, and I know like, that's like a big thing. Like I've even seen, seen in the VA, they're like all oh, back when I was in the military, like, you know, I slipped a disc because of, you know, trying to lift like a heavy bag off the helicopters and everything like that. But there, I don't know, there's just so many more things to take in a, into account in terms of conditioning of those muscles. Um, but for that guy to say that like your spine can't adapt, like, I kind of like hit myself with my pen when you said that. Cause I was just like, I, it you just doesn't that, make you sense know the to guy me. I'm talking about too. We all know. I know the guy. I'm not going to say it though, but I'll give Connor 20 bucks. If he says it, it's like, it's like a uh, Baltimore, like, you know, you're not allowed <laughs> to say his name. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I've seen that's like, of course, sometimes lifting heavy things can do it can like cause disc stuff, but I've seen so many people that bend down to like, cause they dropped a pen and they just happen to slip. Like then you have a herniation of, the, of a disc. You're like, well, I didn't pick up a pen 400 times before this. And like some people, again, it, you just have to, if you don't like stress your body in the ways that you're going to be doing things, you're going to get hurt. That's like, it's, it's, it's so simple and so logical, but people just don't think of it, which is probably, it's so such common sense, but this world lacks common sense. That's a whole nother, that's a whole nother debacle. I can yeah, get another, into, another, but, another topic. Yeah. Another episode, uh, next episode. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I think we, uh, I think we successfully busted some myths. I don't know. Bridget, you want to, you want to do your spiel? I kind of took over the uh, the reins last time, but yeah, I'll, I don't I'll know who the... the hell you think you are, but like this <laughs> does, you this is done. All right. So in closing from your favorite host, um, we, oh. I don't know, actually, host. I don't know if we're going to be doing a Mythbuster episode next week or if we're going to have a guest. As of right now, we'll plan on doing a Mythbuster episode, but if something changes, 
give us a follow on Instagram. Keep up to date with what we're doing. Like, follow, subscribe. Interact with our stories. Yeah, interact with our stories. Gosh darn. I take a lot of time yeah. out of my day. In sunny Florida. Just hey, be nice. If they've made it this far, don't yell at them. They're doing good. Yeah, you're right. Thank you. I, I just, can't wait to see you next week. It's just tough, love. Yeah, exactly. All right. But, Thank you, everyone, for listening. Go ahead, Austin. What were you going to say? No, nothing. We'll cut this out. All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening. <laughs> see ya.